the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by Danny Perez and Anthony Florentino. This is episode 74 featuring Mike Cusick. Mike is a former hockey player turned scout for the Dubuque Fighting Saints in the USHL. He also owns the Boston Junior Whalers and Boston Lady Whalers Spring and Summer Tournament Team programs. But before we get to today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. All right, let's get after it. All right, we got Mike Cusick on today. Um, me and Mike go way back. Mike's a really good buddy of mine and someone who was a mentor for me throughout hockey and, and life and someone who, you know, just throughout life and hockey, I also lost touch with just kind of, you know, each doing our own things. And, you know, it's funny, this summer we reconnected again and I was living with him, you know, when I was traveling up and down in Boston. So he was opening up his home to me yet again and being just a super great friend and um, yeah, I'm super excited for this episode because he's someone who's really kind of helped me shape my hockey career and my life path in the hockey world. So I'm, I'm fired up to have him on and yeah, welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Long time coming. Oh yeah. Big time. But, uh, yeah, if you can just please introduce yourself to everybody who you are, where you're from, what you do and, um, your hockey journey, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mike Cusick, um, from North Andover, Massachusetts, uh, currently, own and operate uh, the Boston Junior Whalers and Boston Lady Whalers Spring Summer Tournament Team programs. I have a bunch of my own spring summer tournaments on the side. Uh, scout for Dubuque in the USHL is going to be my ninth season doing that. Um, had the pleasure of meeting Dan back in, geez, must have been like 2013, 14. It was 12, 13. Yeah, that season with the Bandits. Yeah. Yep. So ended up uh, clicking pretty good back then and kept in touch ever since. And you know, real excited for you to to have this opportunity up at UMaine, and I think you're going to do great things up there. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And um, like I said before about, you know, kind of that year when we first met, just um, that was a tough year for me, just kind of in and out of the lineup. And, you know, first year out of juniors, you have high expectations. and But you were kind of always there just to, you know, never really just tell me what I wanted to hear, but tell me the honest feedback and, you know, give me honest direction. So uh, I was super grateful for that. And because of that, we obviously became really close. And um, yeah, he's building a, a women's hockey empire with the Boston Lady Whalers over there. And um, so, yeah, kind of talk about, you know, what that business has turned into and, um, you know, some of the teams you have there and players you've worked with and kind of, I guess, at the coaching side, give us an inside look on, you know, that sort of, you know, sort of space because we've had a lot of players, but not too many coaches on here. Right. So the, the spring summer hockey space is a little different than the, the winter in season stuff. You know, once you you're on a club team in the winter, you're on a junior team or you're going to a prep school, that's kind of your team for the, 
for the year. These tournaments in the spring, summer, more or less um, week by week type of thing. So we start building our rosters. We have tryouts actually for the girls. So we always do our tryouts on Veterans Day in November, send out invites. Um, the girls program is a lot more formal than the boys in the sense of they're getting selected to be on a team. They get their uniform. You know, we mix practices in some mini camps. The boys, just because there's so many programs and so many teams, it's more a la carte type. Yep. Where, you know, we'll do this one with you and we'll do this one with this program and so forth. But the girls has been a lot more um, orchestrated, I guess, um, with a, a team environment. And yeah, so we went to Minnesota for the boys and the girls this past year. It was a great experience. Um, things have been going pretty well with the uh with the teams we have some special coaches involved so really grateful for that yeah no that's awesome and watching you grow that has been super cool so um kudos to you on that and obviously a podcast about mental health so um if you want to just kind of we'll switch gears here and if you want to talk about kind of your journey with that and some of the things that you've struggled with in the past and um yeah just kind of talk about your journey with uh that sort of stuff yeah for sure so i started the program when i was a junior in high school and, you know, year by year, got a lot of good people involved, very grateful for that. And it started to grow and grow. And the more that it started to take off, the less I wanted to play hockey and the more I fell in love with the managerial side of it, the coaching side of it, um, the team building sort of aspect of things. And, you know, with that sort of came a lot of late nights and early mornings and you know for people out there that are I guess entrepreneurs or or self-employed you realize like you can you can stay in bed till one in the afternoon if you want but you're just cheating yourself if you're not up early and basically the first eight nine years of doing this the way that I was wired was essentially like sleep for four or five hours you know be at midnight, one in the morning, typing out invitation emails, saving them as drafts to go out the next morning at 7, 8 a.m. Um, really kind of turned to a place where I stopped enjoying it and it turned into, I guess, almost the, you know, your competition side as an athlete kicked in with this cutthroat industry where, you know, I was going to stay up till four in the morning if it meant, you know, finding the best player and inviting them and speaking with their parents on the phone and doing whatever we could to win these tournaments. And it was at the expense of my mental health and my, you know, sleep and all that stuff. So, yeah, it took me a lot longer than I'd like to admit to recognize that needed to bring more people on on board and sort of distribute responsibility which is something I'm still getting better at every day you know it's not easy but um yeah going to bed yeah. at a normal hour and <clears throat> yeah yeah well I'm happy you mentioned the entrepreneur piece um, I want and I want to get back to that but you know if you care to share obviously was what were some of the things that you specifically were struggling with as far as the mental health side goes like was it just the lack of sleep was causing you to kind of just get jittery or what you know kind of what was your experience with that whole thing yeah so I mean 
to go back to what I said at the beginning where the spring summer stuff is more like grind, grind, grind. You're, you're trying to, it's almost like running a charity golf tournament, right? Where you're trying to get another foursome to play and you're trying to collect this team's money and you're, you know, then the weekend comes and you're on the ground coaching. Um, it's just go, go, go. So the one, the one thing that I learned really was, you know, I, as I said, I used to be of the mindset of, you know, stay up until the job's done type thing. But, you know, that keeps repeating itself. If you're up at eight in the morning, you're going to bed at four in the morning, you're waking up for eight in the morning again. Well, you're rubbish for the first half of the day because you didn't sleep well. So it took me a lot longer than I'd like to admit to realize that, you know, getting a good night's sleep, going to bed at 10 o'clock, you're going to be three times more productive when you wake up at 8 a.m., you know, and get back to work than the first half of your day being sluggish and jittery and tired and, you know, drinking three coffees. So it was almost like a think smarter, not harder type thing. Um, yeah, I'm glad I figured that out finally. <laughs> yeah, I think well, that's like the thing, the, the thing that we always see is just like, if you want to be successful in whatever you do, you have to make X amount of sacrifices and you can't sleep and you got to do this, that, the third. And I remember when I was staying up with you this summer, um, you know, as like someone who's just starting out with monkey mind and kind of trying to find my own entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial path, watching you doing what you, you were doing. I was like, Holy smokes. I got to give a hard look in the mirror because I'm just clearly not doing enough. And you were working like a complete dog and it was admirable to see what you were doing. And, you know, you obviously you've had success and you're a super hard worker and, you can never take those things away from you, Mike. And I'm su super like pumped to see that and witness that firsthand, obviously. Um, but just to see you kind of come out and be like, yeah, well, you know, it takes a toll at some point. And I think that we do have to find that work-life balance and that, like you said, you're going to be more productive when you get the full night of sleep as opposed right. to like work until, you know, one in the morning or four in the morning and then waking up at like seven or five, whatever, you know, however you cycle it. And it's just like, yeah, maybe you are quote unquote going to be up longer. So you in theory will get more work done. But you know, you're saying you're seeing it firsthand from a young kid who's starting, you know, these businesses and who's doing super, you know, super well and super successful that that stuff does take a toll and your health ultimately does matter. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was actually it was a kind of a funny story. And I won't mention names or anything, but it was a couple summers ago that it kind of became clear to me. Um I mentioned I have a, a handful of my own tournaments that I run in the spring, summer, and kind of the way that the business works is, you know, a director that has a program and has his own tournaments or her own tournaments um, typically do a swap where I'll bring my teams to your tournament. You bring your teams to my tournament type thing. And somebody um, was kind of in a pinch and said, Hey, I need a, peewee major team for this weekend i'm desperate we only have three teams can you throw a team together last minute and i remember being up at like 1 30 in the morning trying to go through spreadsheets and you know orchestrate a list of emails for kids to invite and going on snapchat and seeing that him and his girlfriend were out to dinner like at 6 30 p.m and you know watching the sunset and i just remember being furious and thinking, why am I up at 1.30 in the morning to do this guy a favor when he can't be bothered to do it himself? And the more that I thought about that over time and reflected on it, he should be out with his girlfriend on Wednesday night at 6.30 for dinner. You know, you, you, you do need to turn it off at some point. So 
I, I think that's probably the main struggle that I faced um, was the, the coupling of you got to know when to turn it off and take care of your body, take care of your mind and, you know, to trust people and distribute responsibility. And, you know, if this person that's coaching this team or this person that's running this for you, like empower them to be able to get the job done. It doesn't need to be, you know, me or you up at four in the morning, you know, being a control freak and, you know, trying to conquer the world, you got to take care of your body. So, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, obviously just cause we've talked about this a lot. Um, there's like a, you know, a rise in, I feel like anxiety through young athletes and young people in general, just our kind of our generation. There seems to be either they're talking about it more, or there's a rise in it. Um, and I feel like athletics can play a role in just the fact that everyone is just so worried about getting to the next level and um, kind of, you know, what do you see in hockey right now that, um, you know, just, I guess, things that I, we can go pros and cons for, for players of just, Hey, like, players need to be doing this more and stop worrying about this. And some of the cons like, Hey, maybe avoid this sort of stuff. I guess like pieces of advice that you want to give to this young generation, who's, you know, up and coming, trying to find their way, trying to play college hockey, trying to play in the NHL, you know, everyone wants to play in the NHL. If you don't admit it, then you're just lying to people because everyone does. So, you know, just kind of like with the landscape of everything right now, and obviously we can go down a major rabbit hole with this. So, um, but just kind of just some of the piece of advice that you kind of would want to give parents, players, just kind of navigating everything right now with hockey. Right. I think it's two, two separate pieces of advice, right? That the youth and then the high school junior age type thing. So we can start with the youth. Um, the number one thing that I would say would be directed towards the parents. And that would just basically be like, take a, a step back and take a long, hard look at your child and, you know, evaluate their passion for the game because, you know, this, this touches all aspects of things, but COVID happened and, you know, really took a toll on pretty much everybody, not just kids, you know, parents too, and being locked, locked in your house and not being able to socialize. So at the end of the day for parents, if there's a young, your young player, if they're getting off the bus after school and they're going to shoot pucks on their own, that's the greatest thing in the world. And if I was a parent with a kid and I saw that and they get off the bus, grab a stick, start shooting pucks in the driveway, I'd, I'd send them to any camp they want. Like I would empower them, but if they want to get off the bus and eat Doritos and play Xbox, that's totally fine. But you need to recognize that if you're going to push it and make it about you and drag them to an extra skills session or whatnot, not only are they going to start to hate the game, but they're going to start to build a rift in a parent child relationship. So just be honest, you know, it, it can't be, I've heard the term, you know, parents living vicariously through their kids, right? We've all heard that term. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, you need to be honest and you know, I feel like the game's sort of gone away from being fun for a lot of these kids. And a lot of the times it has to do with playing in six or seven or eight spring summer tournaments. Like, you know, when, when you played growing up, you played high school before you went to, to juniors with the bandits, how many high school games are there? 20? Yeah. Something like that. Super. 25. Super so you played yeah. before, but now you have these, 
these club teams where it's a 65, 70 game schedule, and then you're playing in these showcases in the spring and summer, like some of these kids are playing a hundred games out of 365 days a year. So if you balance it out and look at you're playing a hundred games versus you're playing 20 games, you're going to be a lot more fired up and hungry for those 20 games. Whereas it's almost, you know, Oh, got another hockey game today, you know, better show up and play. Um, so that's basically my two cents for the, for the youth stuff. Um, actually I have one more thing to add to, if you're in a good situation, like up here in Massachusetts, the top, the top youth league is the EHF. Um, so that's your Minutemen Flames, Boston Terriers, Boston Eagles, those programs. The second-ish league, like one and one A, is called the Elite Nine. That's your Boston Advantage, Valley Warriors, those guys. I can't tell you how many times each year you see a player that's playing in the Elite Nine league, you know, leave an awesome situation because they're being recruited at age nine to go play on this team because they're loading up and they want to go to the Pee Wee Quebec tournament. It's if you have a good coach and a good system with families that all get along, that's the most important thing. You know, you don't have to, parents don't need to be the agents for the kids when they're eight years old. They should be ensuring that the kids are having fun and they're in a good environment where they're safe and developing and learning. Um, so just basically the grass isn't always greener, I guess, is the, the best way to sum it up. No, yeah, exactly. I think, um, well, I mean, at the end of the day, I've, I've said this a million times. First of all, it's all great advice. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that just it's easy to lose sight when you're involved. I'm so guilty of it, of like the outcome of everything. And just like you want to get to the next level. You got to build the best team. You got to be the best player. And it's like those are all great things. But we all see it, you know, you know, all too often is when it, becomes to a point where it's like you're out of your mind well it's a marathon and you're a perfect example of it in the sense of you you know you played your youth hockey washington little caps played midgets and then as 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 my first year out of high school too so yeah yeah and i mean when you when you were on the bandits that year you were a younger guy on the team i think it was yeah i think like one of the few 18 year olds yeah yeah exactly so you know, you were getting frustrated, I guess is a good way to put it for sure in and out of the lineup. And you couldn't figure out why, because you were always one of the top guys on your teams growing up. And then all of a sudden you get to play with 20 year olds who are two years older, who have been in the league and had more junior experience. And it was new. It was a new obstacle for you to face. You've never been sort of the odd man out and it. And from a mental standpoint, it's tough to be living away at home or living away from home at age 18 and dealing with that, you know, and not understanding, well, what did I do wrong? Why aren't I in the lineup today? I'm better than this guy. You know, just the, the mental battle that's going on where you have a lot of free time when you're living away playing junior hockey. So you go, you go to the ring for practice, you work out, you go home and it's just you and your thoughts. Right. So that year for you was tough, but then the, the next year, you know, you went out to our camp in Dubuque, you went out mm-hmm. to a couple NA skates and you landed in a great spot in, in Wilkes-Barre Scranton um, with great coaches, Justin Lyle, guys that really care. Mm-hmm. And you ended up playing division one. So if you think back to that team with the bandits, 
when you were in and out of the lineup, two, three kids maybe from that roster went to Division One. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's one of those things where it's a marathon, not a sprint. But there's also going to be hills and mountains and boulders in the way. You can't you can't get bogged down. You got to keep believing in yourself. And there's a there's a really good interview um, that Marty St. Louis gave. Uh, a couple years ago about putting blinders on, right? You don't need to worry about what he's doing over here, what he's doing over there. He's going to this tournament. She's going to that showcase, right? Just focus on being better, getting better every day. And, exactly. you know, the right coach is going to find you. Really just takes one, you know, and and that's kind of the proof of the pudding. No, yeah, exactly. I, I think that um... – like as far as all that goes, I think it does it completely, you know, segue into like the whole mental health piece because in those years I was just like, you you know, you saw me in the locker room and I was like the the clown, like always making jokes, like the locker room yeah. guy, whatever. But you know, there were summers where I was like getting super depressed because I was like so focused on like why aren't I at where I want to be? You know what I mean? Like why I want this so badly? I hope it happens. And it's like one of the biggest piece of advice that I could give to people is. You have these dreams, you have these aspirations. The only thing you can do is work extremely hard for it. Do everything you absolutely can and put those blinders on. Cause the second you start like, well, this person's doing it. This person's doing it. Like why, where's my opportunity? You just start getting way too distracted and you're not focused on what you need to be doing. And there's actually a quote from Paul Rabel. He just retired from professional lacrosse. And this is an unreal quote and it's just, it speaks volumes. And I think it can really help mitigate you know, people's anxieties and, and their worries, you know, a lot of athletes who were just so worried about the outcome. And it's, I finally learned that it was never about the outcome. It was always about the game. The game is meant to be played, not won. There's no winning. So there is no end. And then he goes on to talk about how we'll continue to compete and win lacrosse games and all that stuff. But it just goes to show that it's not about the outcome of where you end up. You, you know, like I'm super grateful and proud of where I ended up, but there was so much stress and, you know, sleepless nights and depressive episodes where I lost 20 pounds. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, I'm not, I have no regrets. It's, I'm like, it is worth it for me. You know what I mean? If anyone who wants to be successful, like, not that 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 was worth it, but it's like, it's just, I'm happy with where I'm at and I'm so content. But just the future generations, got to look out for yourself, one. And two, don't let yourself get to that point. Right. You know, you can still care and still get to where you want to go without putting yourself to that, to that point where you're like getting so anxious and worked up about, you know, playing college hockey and playing at the highest level, it's like, relax, enjoy the ride, work hard. And like you said, put those blinders up. Right. And I mean, the only other thing I'd add to that just on the mental side is, you know, not to sound cliche and use one of the common catchphrases, but like, it's okay to tell somebody if you're struggling, you know, like I, you've had people in your life when you're in Bridgewater, you know, I was a, an outlet for you. Um, 100%. Yeah. But for me, it was something different with the, you know, sleepless nights and staying up and doing the email and stuff like that. I don't know how I'd get through it all without my mom. You know, I can confide in her and, you know, it feels good to be able to be open with somebody. So if you are struggling with something like that, don't don't hide it or feel ashamed or like pent it up, you know, just kind of identify somebody that you can have an open dialogue with and, you know be there to support you and not judge you and, you know, try to guide you back on the path you want to head out on. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And um, 
Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you that question next. I guess just like a piece of advice, um, you know, that you would give to somebody who, you know, was going through what you have gone through or whatever the case is, but you kind of hit that nail on the head. So, I mean, kind of another question parlaying into that is um, what's an, a piece of advice that you would give to someone starting, you know, because just from an entrepreneurial basis in general, starting their own company, someone who's young, hungry like you were, you were what, 17 when you started this, right? Yeah, that's super young and you've made such a successful business out of it. And the junior whalers are unreal. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what you've done, but you know, what's the piece of advice to the next generation of entrepreneurs who are, who are coming up or whether they're 17 or 35, whatever the case is, 40 years old, like just people who are just starting out, you know, they have their baby and they're really working and they want to be successful. What's a piece of advice that you would give them that, you know, you learned human interaction. Right. So the first few years when I had these teams, there were tournaments out at Marlboro and we'd have a game at 10 a.m. and the other team would play at 6 p.m. And I'd stay I'd be there all day just meeting people, you know, talking to this father and this group of parents comes over and, oh, nice to meet you. That's how relationships are built. They're built um, not over email, not on the phone, but they're built in person. So um you know, can say, put the time in, put the time in doesn't necessarily mean sit behind the computer and send a million emails. You want to be out and in person and meeting people and, you know, just get your name out there, you know, have handshakes with people. And, you know, especially after COVID with everything being locked inside and zoom meetings and whatnot, I think that's even more, you know, valuable now is just showing face and, looking someone in the eye and, you know, connecting that way. Yeah. That's awesome. I can, um, I don't want to take, I don't want to take up too much of your time and I'm super appreciative of, you know, you coming on and talking about this stuff and being vulnerable and telling your own personal story. And um, yeah, I'm just super, you know, happy to have met you and, you know, be such a good friend to you. And um, yeah, I'm just really grateful that you came on and, and, you know, we're be able to open about up about this and, and talk. So thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me.